This is the Bird Hugger Podcast with Katherine Greenleaf, the podcast for people who love birds. Welcome to the Bird Hugger Podcast. I'm Katherine Greenleaf, and I'm so glad to be with you. I'm on board for a full 30 minutes of talking all things birds and restoring native habitat. What happens when a burnt-out college professor living in New England decides to become a wildlife rescuer and rehabilitator? Find out on Bird Hugger, the podcast for people who love birds. Join host Katherine Greenleaf, who has been rehabilitating injured wildlife for 20 years, and hear how you can turn your backyard into a native oasis for birds. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of the Bird Hugger podcast. The Thanksgiving holiday is coming soon, and everyone is busy making travel plans to ensure they can be with loved ones come the holidays. Speaking of travel, on today's show, we will be talking with Dan Levin from the American Bird Conservancy about the highly unusual sightings of dozens of pink flamingos in northern portions of the United States, thanks to Hurricane Idalia. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you are enjoying this show and like what we do, please help us out by subscribing or following us on your favorite app to access our free show. That way you'll get notified of what's coming, you'll never miss a show, and it will help us in the ratings. When Idalia, a Category 4 hurricane, struck on August 26th, a great many birds were pushed out of their normal habitats and migratory zones. There was a great deal of excitement over multiple sightings of American flamingos, the giant pink bird with the very long legs, in the state of Florida. But imagine the surprise when flocks of these flamingos were found in 16 other states, including Alabama, Texas, Tennessee, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, Ohio, and get this, Wisconsin. Ordinarily, American flamingos inhabit the waters in the Caribbean, including Cuba and the Yucatan Peninsula. So why did they decide to spend the entire summer in the northern United States, and how will they do once the cold weather of winter begins? The big question, of course, is will they fly back south? Dr. Dan Levin, an expert in threatened bird species with the American Bird Conservancy, is here with us today to talk about how the flamingos are doing and whether they can handle the challenges of freezing weather and how likely it is they will head back south to their home range. Okay, and now I'd like to welcome Dan Levin to the show. Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is great. A very interesting topic. We're here to talk today about the report of pink flamingos appearing in Wisconsin, of all places, could you tell our listeners what happened? Yeah, I can tell you what happened. Essentially, what happened was a hurricane happened. Hurricane Idalia was crossing the Gulf of Mexico, and it crossed right between the Yucatan Peninsula and Cuba. And this is a migratory pathway for flamingos that nest in the Yucatan and then travel across the ocean to Cuba. And our best guess is that this hurricane essentially entrained picked up some of these flamingos that were traversing the ocean and then brought them north off their migratory route into the continental United States. Wow, that is amazing. 
Now, do we have a timeline? I mean, when's the last time something like this happened? I think the last time similar numbers of flamingos were seen across this such a broad area was in the 1970s. So it's been a long time. And certainly there are a lot of new records. There are more birders now looking for things like this, and there's better communication among birders. So I think a lot of first records for different counties and states have been set during this recent event with the American flamingos. Now, I understand you traveled to investigate the situation. I live in Northern Virginia, but I did travel in early October to Chincoteague, Virginia, where there were reports of two different flamingos, and I got to see one of them. So on, it was, I think, October 9th that I got to see a flamingo in Chincoteague, Virginia. So tell me what, uh, it must have been kind of shocking to see them in Virginia. It's definitely not something I would have expected to see in Virginia if I hadn't known about this storm, this national event. And this isn't the typical habitat of flamingos. I've seen them before in South Florida or in other places that they occur regularly. And those places are very different looking. Sometimes they're mangrove swamps and hot and tropical, not the Virginia coast in October. So do we know how many flamingos were pushed north by the hurricane? We don't know exactly, but there seem to be records of at least 150 flamingos found in dozens of places across at least 17 states throughout September and October. And these include the birds you mentioned that were seen on Lake Michigan in late September. Now, how will they do in Wisconsin and other places? What type of food do they eat? Flamingos are filter feeders. They have very specialized bills and they have these structures called lamellae inside their bills that filter out small shrimp and crustaceans and other things from the water. And they use their tongues to pump the water through these filters. And so in a lot of the saline lakes and lagoons that they are usually in, they're filtering mainly like little brine shrimp and things like that. Up here in Virginia or in Wisconsin, I don't know exactly what they're finding, but they're also probably filtering small animals like that out of the water. And as long as they can find food, they should be able to move and be healthy. In terms of their long-term prospects, I would predict that the birds in the more northerly areas will probably move south, particularly as the weather gets colder. Some may make it all the way back to where they're supposed to be, and others may wander around for years living where they can without returning, and others might die. So not all of these birds are likely to survive, but there are records of other flamingos that have either escaped from zoos or collections or otherwise gotten to unusual places in the continental United States and survived for many years. Now, do we know, were they all adults or were there some juveniles in there too? So we know that they were not all adults. The, the photographs of birds on Lake Michigan, for example, showed a mixture of adults and juveniles. So that also indicates that these were probably groups of birds traveling together that all got swept up in the same storm as they were moving. So we've got mixed age groups of birds. Now in Wisconsin, the media is calling it flamingo fever and it's drawing a lot of people out to the sites where the flamingos are located. Does that concern you that there are too many people out there getting too close? It doesn't really concern me. I don't know the details of the Wisconsin situation, but I think what tends to happen is that a lot of people are out enjoying these vagrant birds. Usually, in my experience, they're keeping a respectful distance. 
and not spooking the birds. With the Virginia experience, people are either seeing them from shore at quite a great distance where the flamingo really has no idea that people are watching it from far away, or they're taking out boats and visiting the flamingo from a boat and I think keeping a respectful distance. Again, a lot of people wanna take photographs of these birds, so they don't wanna get too close and spook the bird and have it fly away. And it's a great opportunity for bird watchers to engage the general public because almost everyone knows what a flamingo is and can recognize one and is interested in it. They're the tallest birds out there. They really stand out. And so it's a great opportunity to engage the general public and explain a little bit about birds and get them more interested. Now, do we know what temperatures a flamingo can withstand in terms of freezing weather? The American flamingo, which this is the species involved, are typically found in fairly warm areas like the Caribbean and the Galapagos Islands. But there are other species of flamingos in the Americas, three others that nest in the Andes. And those nest and live at very high elevations that can get very cold, particularly at night. So I don't know what the thermal tolerance of the American flamingo is. My guess is as long as it can find food, it can keep its body warm and survive. But I think that they will probably move when it gets when it gets cold and hopefully get south to a place that's better for them. It's been unusually warm this autumn, so I'm wondering if maybe that's keeping them further north than they should be. It's one of those mysteries. I don't think we really know all the answers there. Right. Now, are there any bird tracking sites like eBird that are following them? Yeah, so anyone can enter their bird observations into eBird, and many people are, including me. And so I entered my flamingo observations into eBird and anyone who, whether they're involved with eBird or not, they can go online and they can look at uh, species maps and see where flamingos have been recorded recently. And so you can use that to see where flamingos have been and where they are at the moment. I don't know, and I'm not aware of anyone who is radio tracking or, or satellite tracking or somehow tracking the individual flamingos themselves that would require capturing birds and then putting some kind of device on them that they can carry as they move. It might be happening, but I'm just not aware of it. Is it your opinion that climate change is causing this type of relocation? I guess I should call it accidental relocation. So climate change is predicted to make more frequent hurricanes and storms and more intense hurricanes and storms in the Western Atlantic. So whether or not this particular storm was stronger or at a different time because of climate change is a little bit unclear, but I think we could predict more events like this in the future if the frequency of hurricanes is greater due to climate change. And so I think that's the kind of impact that climate change can have on these sort of things. Furthermore, with hurricanes happening maybe later, the season of hurricanes stretching out and happening later in the year, that could have an effect and maybe even more concerning is when these big storms happen, where these birds are normally living in the Caribbean, for example, they can cause mortality there. So rather than displacing birds up into the United States, sometimes these storms can have can just kill them on the spot where they're breeding or where they're foraging down there. They're really found in many different parts of the Caribbean. So there are colonies in the Bahamas, there's colonies in Cuba. There's colonies in the Yucatan Peninsula of Mexico. There's groups along the northern coast of South America in Colombia and Venezuela. And then there's a different population that lives down in the Galapagos Islands in the Pacific Ocean. 
So that's where the American flamingo lives. And then there are three kinds of flamingos that live in further south in South America, the James, the Andean, and the Chilean flamingos, which all nest in the Andes, and the Chilean flamingo is a bit more widespread in southern South America. So there are those species that live in the Americas, and there's two more species that live in Africa and Eurasia. And they're all fairly similar in terms of the way they forage and their nesting habits. They nest in colonies. They build these mud platforms with an indentation that they lay their egg in, and then they raise their young, and then many are migratory. So they'll nest in one place that has good food and is safe for nesting, and then they might need to move to other areas to forage later in the year, either because the water conditions change in the place that they breed or for other reasons. So they typically don't achieve that pink plumage until adulthood. They all get the pigments that create that pink plumage from their food. And in captivity, curators of zoos and zookeepers often make sure that their diets contain those pigments so that they show the colors that they would naturally show. And they do fairly well in captivity. Again, near me is the National Zoo, and they have in their exhibit a colony of American flamingos that people in the D.C. area can visit and enjoy and see. Are they either threatened or endangered? So there are six species of flamingos worldwide. And the global authority on if a species is in danger or not is the IUCN Red List, the International Union for the Conservation of Nature. And of those six species, one, the Andean flamingo is listed as vulnerable, and the others are listed as near threatened or least concern. So much lower levels of concern. So for the most part, flamingos are not endangered or critically endangered, but there are some aspects of their biology that make them perhaps a little bit more vulnerable than some other species in that they do concentrate in large numbers at their colonies and then sometimes in a few places. And so that can make their life cycle more vulnerable to a disturbance if, let's say, there was a mining company that came in 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 a very important lake in Africa where, let's say, lesser flamingos breed and disturb that lake, then that entire colony that may have tens of thousands or or hundreds of thousands of birds, then one threat could be very dangerous for that one colony. Now, there's a lot of informal betting going on about these flamingos. People are betting money. Would you put your money on them flying back to their home range before freezing temperatures set in? I wouldn't gamble on the flamingos, but I think that, again, many of those flamingos are going to move if conditions become detrimental to them, or if they can't find enough food, they'll move. And some of them will move successfully. And some of them unfortunately won't and will encounter dangers along the way. And that's nature. Now, if you had to guesstimate, how many days would it take for them to fly back to their home range from Wisconsin? I bet if they knew exactly, if they'd made a decision, I'm in Wisconsin, I'm going to fly directly nonstop and they have the energy to do so, they could probably do it in a few days. But I don't think they necessarily will do that because it doesn't appear that they either have the energy to do that all in one go or the motivation or quite the navigation to say, okay, I'm in the wrong spot by X hundred miles and I need to go right now to this spot. So I think what's happening is that these birds are feeding and doing okay, and then decide to move and move a bit 
Maybe they move to the coast. Maybe they move across to a different state. Then they stay a little while. And we still just haven't seen the full story unfold. Some of the birds that I think got moved and then landed along the Gulf Coast and in Florida and didn't get pushed so far inland, those have a lot less distance to travel to get back, or they're already encountering conditions that are favorable to them. And so each of these flamingos and flamingo groups are going to have their own experience and trajectory. Now, is it your feeling when a, a hurricane the size of Idalia comes through, are these birds getting caught in the eye of the hurricane and being pushed north, or are they stuck along the outer bands and being pushed upwards? I don't know. They could get caught anywhere, I think, in the hurricane. And my guess is that rather than fighting the winds, they probably try to go with the flow of the wind. And then then the hurricane can bring them where the hurricane's going to go. And some of those may end up in the eye, but maybe not all of them. Well, let's hope that the flamingo's northward vacation ends up having a happy ending. Yeah, we all hope that those individuals survive and do well and eventually get back to the Caribbean where they came from. And in the meanwhile, they provide a really interesting opportunity for bird watchers and everyone else to enjoy them on their journey. Do you know if any U.S. Fish and Wildlife offices or, or wildlife rehabilitators offered to help bring them, uh, literally drive them down south back where they belong if they do get into trouble? With the birds that are in the wild, it's likely that everyone's being very cautious not to try to capture them, not to try to relocate them with that kind of intervention because the likelihood of harming the birds in the process of capturing them or stressing them out in that way could cause more harm than good by relocating them. So for the birds that are free flying and foraging, I think everyone is leaving those alone, being respectful and watching them from a respectful distance and hoping that they make it back on their own. Great. Is there anything else you'd like to say as we wrap up here about either the flamingos or the ABC? Well, American Bird Conservancy was found in 1994, and we conserve birds and their habitats throughout the Americas. And I think it's really important to be conserving habitat in a lot of different places. And we're strategic about how we do that. But when events like this happen, a lot of these flamingos are going to protected areas. Like the ones I saw in Chincoteague were in an area that was fairly well protected of marsh and, and wetlands along the coast. And so it's really important that those places exist or places like that exist, not just for flamingos, but other vagrant birds that get blown off course. So they have places to rest, places to refuel, and then continue on their journey. I'd like to thank Dan Levin for joining us today. You can find out more about the wonderful work the American Bird Conservancy is doing to help birds by going to abcbirds.org. To follow the flight of the flamingos, go to eBird at eBird.org. Join Americans everywhere in the one-third for the birds movement. Dedicate the back third of your yard to birds and other wildlife. Make this area a quiet zone with no leaf blowers or lawnmowers. Plant native trees and shrubs so birds have plenty of insects to eat. Create a safe haven for birds to nest and raise their young. You will be rewarded with many hours of bird watching fun. For more information on One Third for the Birds, go to the Bird Hugger page on Facebook. And that's it for today's episode, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. 
Have a great week and enjoy the birds. Bye for now. Bye for now.